Hi, I'm Rich Regan, CEO of the Auditorium Theater, and welcome to Odd Talk. Today, I'm speaking with the executive and artistic director of the Chicago Dance History Project, Janae Kucher. Janae, welcome to our show. Hi, thanks for having me. So thank you so much for joining us today. And where are you speaking to us from? I am coming to you from Ohio today. Uh, I was able to get vaccinated here a little bit sooner than I could in Chicago. So I'm hanging out in the old west end of Toledo, Ohio. That's great news and congratulations on getting the vaccine. Thank so you. I wanted to start by simply asking, uh, what is the Chicago Dance History Project? Uh, the Chicago Dance History Project is an independent 501c3 dance research organization. Uh, we were founded in 2015 to investigate, document, and present histories of dance in Chicago. So we do that uh, in a number of ways. We're a very multi-tracked organization, but our, our primary focus is developing an original collection of materials centered around oral history interviews. So we identify folks uh, throughout the community uh, to interview uh, extensively, you know, two, three, four hours long. Um, so far, we've done 131 complete oral history interviews. Uh, and along with that, we uh, host public events, panel discussions, exhibitions, lectems, things like that, uh, which are also recorded and added to the archive. So that makes up about two thirds of our collection. And along the way, we also started to collect and digitize materials held throughout the community uh, by individuals and, and dance companies in Chicago. So we also have, I think, 46 or 47 um, archival collections of photos, programs, documents, things like that. That's, that's really amazing to have one collective source for all of this rich history and great great content. So, you know, the title Chicago Dance History Project, does that really mean that it's about Chicago dancers and choreographers? It is about Chicago dancers and choreographers, but it's about the whole dance village as well. Administrators, educators, patrons, audience members, uh, philanthropists, you name it. Um, it takes a village to support a, a dance community in any city and definitely in Chicago. It's, you know, incredibly integrated and holistic. Uh, so, you know, everybody is welcome. I always say that Chicago Dance History Project is for, by, and about everybody who's ever participated in or had an interest in dance in Chicago, past, present, and future. That's, that's really fantastic. And it, so, you, uh, you must have a really unique background to be taking your career in this path and leading the Chicago Dance History Project. Unique, yeah, maybe unique and random, uh, which really benefited me when this uh, job came, came available. Yeah, um, luckily I had kind of worked in a lot of different fields through dance and journalism, and it, it was a really good fit for this job. <laughs> I see. So, so you were a dancer? Oh, yeah, still are. I, okay. I am a dancer. Yeah, I am a dancer. Yeah. Okay. Um, I started dancing seriously uh, my junior year in college. Um, and once I graduated, I moved to New York and started my professional career there. Uh, I'm a tap dancer. 
Okay. Um, yeah. So, but because I was an English major when I was in college, kind of my like window into the professional world of dance was through writing. Uh, and so those my, writing was a form of my dance training essentially. And so those things have always gone hand in hand along with research. Um, so, you know, I was writing uh, first for a local paper in Columbus uh, called Columbus Alive. When I moved to New York, I was writing for various publications, The Village Voice and others, um, along with taking dance classes and eventually joining companies and rehearsing. So my whole dance training has sort of been rooted in kind of like conservatory and humanities at the same time. It sounds like it was meant to be. Your, your dance background as well as your writing background, they sound perfect for the job. Yeah, well, you know, luckily all of my random skills kind of coalesced. I think this is the only job on the planet that sort of synthesized all of my random skills into one. Indeed, indeed. So at the Auditorium Theater, we were honored to host Chicago Dance History uh, Project's interview marathon back in January of this year. It was really an incredible event. And when I say host, we just, we gave you the space and you used it beautifully. But that was eight hours of interviews that you led straight through. Um, live interviews with upwards of 50 dance professionals. Just to me, I was I was really amazed at your fortitude and your um, your stamina and being able to carry out that length of interviews. Can you can you tell us anything about that? How you prepared for it? Um, just just anything to give us a glimpse into that day from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, it was it was just such a fun day, and we're so grateful for you and the auditorium team uh, for hosting us. It really was the perfect location, um, beautiful setting, backdrop visually, but also just energetically. It was just so nice to have be surrounded by that history and and be in that um, space, uh, especially now. So thank you for that. Um, I, you know, I think. I think I was capitalizing on my inherent curiosity first and foremost. That's what allowed me to focus for seven, eight hours. Um, I'm just thankfully very, very curious and who wouldn't want to talk to those people in that lineup? I mean, everybody is just so fascinating and each 15 minute segment went by too fast, but hopefully we covered a lot uh, in there. Um, plus, I was very, very lucky to have a superstar team uh, behind us. We, you know, initially we had planned um, more of a typical fundraising event, um, but when the pandemic happened and everything shut down, we shifted focus. And what I really wanted to do was put our content forward. Um, you know, I've, I've conducted a lot of oral history interviews, but those happen behind the scenes and under the radar. Uh, so I really wanted to show people like what, what it is that we do and let them be a part of our work. So that's kind of how the interview marathon um, came to fruition. And we had a, a great team of co-chairs, Pam Crutchfield, Patty Eiler, and Sarah Merkin, uh, who helped pull it together. The board was fantastic. 
and we just had a really, really strong group of interns um, who, who worked tirelessly to help make this happen, um, you know, with like don't setting up donations and helping me do the research and thinking about all of the production, you know, we produced it in house as well. Um, and I have to give a shout out to our digital media um, production manager, Sean Rafferty, who was the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain uh, with all of the technical aspects and did a great job. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I had to rope him into running the marathon with me. Mm -hmm. It was it was so smooth. And, you know, I was lucky enough to participate, you know, briefly at the beginning. And, um, you know, we were in one uh, virtual waiting room and we were getting prepped on what was about to happen. And then all of a sudden we magically appeared with you. So it was uh, it was really an amazing feat, and uh, you know, I, I hope that uh, you know it satisfied um, all of your expectations because it was beautiful from our end, and we we're really appreciative to be a part of it. Thank you. Yeah, it, I mean, it exceeded our expectations, honestly, and I had such a good time, and hope everyone else did too. So, at the Auditorium Theater, we have a, a an especially long history of dance, really since we opened in 1889. Um, you know, as you know, doing your work um, with dance, uh, Chicago Dance History Project, and just being a dancer, are there any interesting or obscure stories that uh, you may associate or have been a part of with the Auditorium Theater that you want to share with our audience? Sure. Uh, well, the Auditorium Theater comes up a lot in interviews. I mean, all the time. And I, I think the first time I ever really heard a little bit of, about like the obscure trivia of the auditorium theater was from uh, a man named Charlie Grass, who uh, with Bob Fosse, he and Bob Fosse had a vaudeville act together when they were teenagers. Um, of course, Bob Fosse is a native of Chicago. And he uh, talked about, you know, he, he was the one who told me that at one point, soldiers were there and he and Bob uh, performed for them basically like a USO type show uh, in the auditorium. And I think he was the one who also told me that the auditorium has a bowling alley, did, which indeed. I then looked for at some point. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that was, I think the first sort of glimpse in uh, for, like on a one-on-one -on -one standpoint into the, the deep and varied history of the auditorium theater. Um, and then I think it was Judy Green actually was the first person who told me that um, Sono Osato had auditioned for Ballet Russe on the stage of the auditorium. So that little uh, fact wasn't new to me, but then I, I was able to interview Sono Osato. Uh, I think she was 97 at the time at her home in New York. Um, and I asked her about that. And so I got to hear firsthand, she was 13 years old. Uh, it was like, I think 1933 or thereabouts and the youngest person to join Ballet Russe. And she auditioned for Colonel de Basile after a Ballet Russe performance. And uh, she, she said, I was wearing my brown wool dress that I wore to school and brown Oxford shoes. I was not dressed for dancing. I was not prepared to dance, um, but she auditioned for him backstage. And because I, I sort of knew the story, I was able to just take in 
like her facial expressions and the way she moved, even at 97, like suddenly she turned into this 13 year old ballet student who was incredibly just overwhelmed. And, you know, she even, she started to cry because she realized that it was her teacher, uh, Berenice Holmes, who had arranged for that to happen. Uh, and at the end of the story, she, you know, she was talking about not being prepared and not being in proper attire. And she said, but they really saw me. And that was just, uh, it was, yeah, I, I'm just so lucky to be able to hear these histories firsthand face to face. And I hope that, you know, through the recordings and how we present things that we can sort of recreate that experience for everybody else. What great stories. And, you know, to, to they definitely fall in the category of you learn something new every day because I, of course, knew the history of the auditorium being a, um, a USO and, um, and entertaining troops and having a bowling alley, but I never knew that Bob Fosse and Charlie, Charlie Grass performed on the stage to entertain the troops at that point. Um, it's, that's just truly amazing and, and really proves how important your work is to document these because as we go through our lives and move through so fast, we miss these little pieces and our lives uh, are truly enriched by the work that you do. Yeah, well, there are just a million untold histories, you know, in, inside people's hearts and minds. And, you know, just luckily I get to spend a few hours with people like Charlie and Sono. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to maybe share with us uh, maybe one or two of your favorite moments uh, from your research or, or your interviews with Chicago Dance History Project? Uh, well, I mean, those are two for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I know it sounds like a cop-out, but my favorite moment is always like the one I'm in and the interview I'm doing at, at the time. Um, you know, for as like amazing as those stories are, I get to hear them all the time. Uh, I mean, just the fact that I could visit Sono Sato at 97 in her Upper East Side apartment and spend an afternoon with her is amazing. Uh, you know, the same goes for Doris Humphreys, uh, who was probably around 90, 90 something when I interviewed her, you might have fact checked me on that. Um, who uh, toured the world as part of a duo called the Manhattan Debs. Uh, she's still teaching tap dance and ballroom in Beverly. Um, she's largely credited with bringing uh, ballroom dance to the south side of Chicago. I mean, it just every single person has had such an incredible life and an incredible career in dance. I mean, just, you know, to pick favorites is really, really tough. <laughs> I, I understand. I mean, when you've when you've been exposed to so many great ones, you uh, it's kind of like picking your favorite child, right? How how can yeah. you actually do that? Yeah, Doris and I did dance together after the interview was over, so that was a highlight. She, you know, because we're we're both tap dancers, and of course, I had my shoes with me. So bring them just in case, right? Just for those moments. Always, you know, a true tap dancer has always got her shoes. That's great. So Janae, can you tell us a little bit about what may be next for Chicago Dance History Project? 
Sure, we're working on a lot of things. Um, we've been able to augment our programming a little bit uh, because we're a digital archive. We have a lot of flexibility um, and you know a lot of experience working in the digital sphere. Uh, so we are thinking about resuming in-person interviews as soon as people feel comfortable and safe. And I'm really excited to get back to that because that it, it's one of my favorite parts of the job. And, and I do miss that quite a bit. Um, it's just not this, you know, this is great. And it's all we have at the moment, uh, you know, talking via Zoom, but it's, it's just not the same either. So I'm excited to get back to those hopefully in the summer. Um, you know, and now CDHP is five, six years old. We have learned a lot in that time. I mean, the, the learning curve has just been astronomical. And suddenly we have an archive now where we didn't before. And, you know, we're, we're still young, but we have a lot of great ideas and we're growing. Um, and I'm looking forward to applying what we've been learning and also uh, figuring out how we can be a better resource for the community now that we are actually a resource and we do have materials um, and thinking about how to make our archive um, and our materials uh, more accessible and more efficiently so um, in the future. You know, we're, we're small, so hopefully we can expand um, and you know, more people means more accessibility, more interviews, all of the above. So I, I'm really looking forward to growing. Uh, we've established a lot of great partnerships uh, throughout Chicago, the Auditorium Theater being one. Um, you, there are just so many possibilities and so many ways in which we can um, sort of connect this community of interpreters and support the the performances that are happening on the stage in the present with what's been going on in the past um, and just kind of bridge that gap. I think a lot of times we disconnect the past from the present and that's what CDHP is all about is to remind us where we've come from and help us to use that uh, to make our future better. So I'm looking forward to establishing some different projects that uh, include the entire community um, and are a little bit more participatory. One-on-one -on -one interviews are exactly that, one-on-one. -on -one. So it takes a lot of time to include those people. Um, but we have some projects uh, coming up later in the year that are um, hopefully gonna involve anybody who wants to participate. And therefore we can start to represent more people in the archive uh, sooner. That's great. It sounds like uh, something that we can all be excited about hearing about the, the new projects that you're starting. That's great. So before the pandemic, you know, you often attended shows at the auditorium theater. So uh, as a final question, can you maybe share with us what may be a, a favorite in-person memory that you have of a dance performance at the auditorium? Sure. Uh, yeah. In, um, in 2019, Chicago Dance History Project received the Ruth Page Award from the Ruth Page Foundation. And I mean, that was lovely and such an honor. It was uh, a great celebration. And uh, luckily, some of my family members were able to come to Chicago for that. And the award was presented before a performance of Elvin Ailey American Dance Theater at the auditorium. And what was so great about that whole thing is that, you know, once the party was over and once the award was given, 
all I had to do is sit back and watch this amazing dance company. And, you know, I left Ohio when I was 17 and my, my family and I have been together in a lot of theaters uh, in my adult life, but it's usually in the situation, you know, they're in the audience and I'm on stage performing. So it's a shared experience, but it's, it's a little bit distanced. And I, I can't remember a time I ever actually got to watch a, a dance performance with my family uh, and, and to have it be alien, to have it be amazing seats in the auditorium. You know, I was used to nosebleed seats at City Center when I would see them in New York. Uh, and to be with my family there and see and watch them see Ailey for the first time, uh, that was pretty magical and it was, um, yeah, just one aspect of that whole uh, award and experience that I'll always remember. That's fantastic. What a great, what a great story to share. And like you said, to just finish that award experience with a performance of Alvin Ailey. That's amazing. What could be better? <laughs> could be better. So thank you, Janae. Immense thank you for joining us. Um, and thanks to you all for listening to another edition of Odd Talk. Thank you, Rich. Thanks.